Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN. Before we get into the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Northwestern University's School of Professional Studies. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. All right, thanks again to our sponsor. And like I said, if you are considering a career in the sports industry, want to work at a place like BTN or elsewhere, definitely give that master's program at Northwestern a look. Appreciate them once again. All right, now for the contents of today's episode, got a really cool episode coming at you, especially if you are a Penn State fan or an NFL fan, because we have two former Penn State players and two current NFL players. Um, we got a pair of guests that were in studio in Chicago this past week and sat down for our podcast. Um, the first interview is Alan Robinson. If you're a Chicago Bears fan or fan of the NFL in general, you definitely have heard his name he's been a standout wide receiver for the jacksonville jaguars and most recently the chicago bears and he joined us for 10 or 15 minutes and gave us some cool insights that's fun to talk to him especially as a a chicago bears follower and observer and fan to pick his brain a little bit and um talk about some things outside of football talk some nba talk some uh talk some just general fun topics uh with alan it was, it was neat for uh, us to get a few minutes with him. And the second interviewee is Sam Ficken. Sam, as I mentioned, also played at Penn State. He's currently on the Green Bay Packers roster. We'll uh, open camp with them this summer. And Sam, if you remember, uh, kicked at Penn State from 2011-2014. Um, it's kind of a, a nice redemption story. He had a rough freshman year, or at least a rough game his freshman year, and came back to carve out a nice career at Penn State and has bounced around NFL rosters and was most recently seen on NFL field with the Los Angeles Rams last year, um, even kicked in in the playoffs for them. So cool to get uh, two guys with NFL experience, with playoff experience, and get them to sit down and, uh, and chat with me for a little bit. So shout out to both of them. Those two segments are coming up, followed by a Call for the Culture segment. Our producer slash co-host Colleen is back from overseas. She tells us about her Europe trip, and we uh, talk about a lot of other uh, pop culture topics and, and things that are dominating the sports discussion today, including NBA playoffs, NBA draft lottery, and some Game of Thrones talk as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up, and stay tuned for it. Quick reminder, if you haven't already, just subscribe, download, and um, find the show where most podcasts are found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, or YouTube. All right, let's get right into our first interview. We're going to start off with Allen Robinson, Chicago Bears wide receiver, former Penn State wide receiver. That discussion with Allen starts right now. Very pleased to be joined in the BTN studio by former Penn State, current Chicago Bears wide receiver, Allen Robinson. Allen, what's up, man? How's it going? It's good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so just to start, take me through your time in the offseason, what you're up to Nowadays, you clearly have a little bit of free time. You're sitting yeah, down here yeah. with us right now. So, uh, what's it look like for you? Um, right now, um, you know, we get a lot of time early in the off season. You know, so I had I had spent um my previous off seasons, you know, and even now, just just trying to train in different places. I got trained um I trained two years ago in Scottsdale, Arizona. I trained this past spring in um in uh, New York. So I just try to you know just try to venture out a little bit, try to 
get a little bit away from the city, you know, before you have to come back. Yeah, venture out. Definitely uh, not bad places to hang out yeah, in, yeah. in the offseason. Uh, scrolling through your Twitter timeline, it looks like you've been tweeting a lot about the NBA. Who's your squad during these playoffs and, and just Man, in general? Um, truthfully, I really don't – I wouldn't say I have a true team. Um, I do like Golden State Warriors, um, and I do like uh, the uh, Raptors. Um, uh, Kawhi Leonard is probably one of my favorite players. So, and then, again, um, I'm just dating back. I have some ties to uh, – to go to say knowing a couple guys and stuff like that, you know. So um, I I really hope it comes down to those two in the finals. That's kind of how it's trending. I feel like people around our age follow players more these days. Uh, I'm a Bulls fan myself, so I watched the NBA lottery and uh, killed me the other night. And I'm curious if you watch the lottery and if you think the I NFL should the should adopt one in that kind of format. It's tough. Um, the reason why I say it's tough is because I think in the NBA you see a lot more tanking than you do in the NFL. I mean, I think some teams do, but once you get to around like week eight, week ten, you know. But um, I think I think that's the biggest thing about the lottery. You know, I think they really tried to make it so like nobody's tanking. You know, the same thing. I mean, it's it's so tough to follow players now. Like I just was talking to somebody saying that I really hope uh, Kevin Durant goes to the East and that some of the guys stay in the East, like Kawhi Leonard goes to the East. You know, just so just so it has a good balance. You know, I mean, with them talking about Anthony Davis possibly going to the Lakers, it's like I really hope the the whole like super team era just kind of comes to a halt for a little bit and everybody just kind of goes to their respective places. I'm completely with you on that. I like that version of the NBA better. And you're right, the tanking or I guess the the counter act of the tanking with the lottery kind of worked and. It's kind of hard to tank in the NFL because it's like a contact sport. You can't really fake it out. Definitely, there, you know? definitely, it's hard to tank. You know, um, like you said, um, and again, I mean, just like you said, um, with with some of the teams who had some of the worst records now being at what the fifth pick, the sixth pick, the seventh pick. I mean, that's pretty tough. You know, so I mean, it is tough because I, me personally, I would have liked to see the Bulls um get a top three pick or top four pick. Amen. You know, so um, it's tough, especially with with like the Lakers. You know, the Lakers go from I think whatever odds they had to a number four pick, you know. Um, so I, I think that they can find a little bit better balance with that. All right. Shifting gears, uh, you're very invested in the community wherever you go. Uh, we're in Jacksonville, obviously now in Chicago. What originally got you involved in wanting to do this work in your downtime and uh, your foundation is the Within Reach Foundation? Yes. How did this all come about? Um, it came about three years ago. Uh, for me, it was something that I always thought about. Um, if I was able to get to this standpoint in my career, you know, being able to try to give back, you know, it's something that my parents have always held held me accountable to as well. You know, growing up, um, I was I was privileged, you know, to be able to have some pretty unique experiences, you know, from being able to talk to some uh, pretty pretty big people that I admire and and um and um that I looked up to, you know. So I thought that helped me a lot, you know, just just throughout my growing up process. Um. You know, and again, being able to give the kids a voice. You know, I think a lot of times that, you know, when people want to say, you know, they want to be a football player or want to do this or want to do that, you know, sometimes um, that same voice from a teacher or from a parent, you know, can get a little bit redundant. You know, so being able to being able to go out and communicate with the kids, and, you know, to be able to let them hear things from a different voice. All right, well, that's awesome. And, and that's not the only way you've embraced Chicago since you got here. I mean, you tweeted out pictures of you in a Cubs jersey, in, in a Bulls jersey. What do you like about the city outside of football? Like, what are some of your favorite spots to hang out, especially now with the weather getting better here? Um, you know, it's growing up in Detroit. You know, you're around um, all the major sports, you know. So um, coming to Chicago for me was, you know, um, and again, I grew up in the Midwest, you know, so I'm very familiar with Chicago, you know. Um, and then being able to, to, to come to this town, you know, where it's basketball, football, two baseball teams, hockey, you know, it's always something going on in the sports town. You know, like whenever you look up, you know, it's, it's it's uh, the Cubs, you know, fighting to get into the uh, into the playoffs. You know, it's us in the playoffs. You know, now it's it's the Bulls lottery. You know, so I mean, I think it I think it has a very good connection, you know, to the city. And I mean, again, I'm a I'm a, a pretty 
pretty big sports fan in general. For sure. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Detroit because I was going to ask, do you like Chicago pizza better than Detroit? I don't even know what Detroit. I do not. What is Detroit um, pizza? I think like Little Caesars. When no, they it's, Detroit it's, pizza. it's funny. It's funny. Everybody says that. Um, I, I mean, um, it's a place called Jets that they have here. Um, fun fact, this, even for me, like when I was in Jacksonville, when I got there, I probably for the first month until I found out that it was a jester, I was eating Hungry House. And I was like, man, like, I was like, it has to be a Jets. It has to be something to, and I ended up finding the Jets. And it was about 35 minutes from where I lived. Whenever I went, whenever I got pizza, I would go to Jets. Same thing here. It's a probably so like the like, Jets, right? The square pizza. Yeah. yeah, yeah I love Jets. Yep. It's a, it's probably about 25 minutes from my house. Um, it's a few around the city, you know, um, but like, but like whenever I want pizza, typically I'm going to Jets. I do like Chicago style though, but I think being brought up on Jets pizza, which is, I guess, a, a Detroit style pizza, you know, it's it's hard for me to go back. Okay, I can rock with that because I like Jets. We had one right by my uh, college apartment, so we got it a lot. And I, you're right, there are a few in the city that you can uh, still swing through. Um, all right, Alan, I want to talk about Penn State a little bit before I, I let you go. You were part of the Super Six there, um, that group of recruits. You got your boy Sam Ficken in the other room over here. Why was he not included in the Super Six? <laughs> That's tough to say. No, because he was in another group. Um, I forget. They he said he was the same year as you. Oh, no, they he call, was. They, 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 yeah, oh, okay. it was like it, I believe it was Sam Zettel, uh, Anthony Zettel. It was some other guys. Um, they kind of had like their their little group or whatever, you know. And then and then um, and then uh, we had the Super Six. But I mean, he would have been welcome to join. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can tell him that when you when we get out of here. Uh, another thing I got to ask about is the tattoo you got of your catch against Michigan. Uh, big catch over. Over uh, Michigan DB, what was the funniest feedback you got from that tattoo, and did it come from Channing Stribling, who you got did, in the Twitter did, Twitter did. beef with after it that? It did. Um, yeah, at the time, it, it, it actually was very funny. I don't actually um, recall exactly what his tweet was, but um, I forgot. It was something about you know, like guys should just like focus on like football or trying to be good or something like that. And it, ironically, it was the year that I went to the Pro Bowl. You know, so it was like so it was like my best year. But um, for me, um, anybody who knows me, I have you know from Detroit wet. From uh, Detroit Red Wings to the to the skyline of Detroit to my high school uh, logo tattooed on me, you know, and I didn't want to get Penn State logo. Um, nothing nothing against Penn State, you know, but I, I kind of wanted to just get something that really reminded me of Penn State that, you know, something that was very sentimental, which was the catch, you know. So, um, again, I mean, I'll probably be getting something Bears related or something like that pretty soon, you know. So, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how I look at my tattoos. I have a ton of tattoos, you know, so I really try to try to get some inspiration, you know, um, like that. And then, I mean, that catch was was probably, you know, the biggest moment, you know, that I had that I had um, at Penn State. As a Bears fan, I hope you get one of uh, you guys hoisting the Lombardi that, trophy. No, that's so, the plan. Let's talk a little Bears before we wrap up. Um, who is the toughest DB to go up against in the league as a, as a receiver? Toughest DB. Um, me getting a chance to go up against him each and every day in Jacksonville, um, uh, Jalen Ramsey. And I would say A.J. Bouye, too. Both of those, in my opinion, you know, that's the best – those those are those are two uh, two of the best, you know. Um, um, when you break down DBs, I mean, we have we have some good ones on our team too, as well. Like you know, going up against Fuller every day, you know, Fuller's good. He's really good, you know. And I think that he's he's definitely um he definitely should be in that top cornerback consideration as well. Um, so again, um, I would say probably probably those those guys. I mean, it's a ton of good DBs now. You know, it's funny for me. Um, when I came into the NFL, a lot of the DBs that were the best then are. Are, are really retired now, you know, like Revis. And, you know, so it's funny, you know, for me always, you know, each and every year when you're when you're breaking down film, you know, you're looking at the next best corner, you know. So it's a lot of good young guys out there. Right. All right. Bear specific now. You guys are a fun team. You kind of burst on the scene last year. You got a fun head coach, a lot of young guys. You know, you do the pictures in the end zone. You got club dub, all that. 
who's the funniest or wildest kind of character on the team? Like, I, I enjoyed when Tariq Cohen was, no, kind of, say, was, was charging for Club Dub. I, I assumed it might have been him, but, but tell be, me why it's him. It has to be Tariq. Um, Tariq, and it's funny because, you know, he brings that same energy each and every day. You know, I, I would say sometimes not in the morning. Sometimes we get in the morning, he's a little sleepy, so... Don't I don't really mess with him too much, but you know, but um, typically every day, you know, he brings that energy, you know. And I think that's I think that's really what made our team special, you know. I remember him talking about one game against Miami, you know, he was just saying that um uh, uh, uh like Taylor Gabriel had a play, then I had a big catch, and then he was just saying how how that energy fed fed into him, you know, and then he had a big play, you know. So I think for him, you know, he's really kind of like that kind of like that nucleus of uh, of uh, energy on our team, you know. And, uh, and again, I mean, once he breathes that out, you know, everybody everybody just plays off of energy, you know. And we have a lot of guys, you know, even even Mitch as well, you know. Um, it's fun playing with a quarterback like that that that's fi- that really gets that fired up. I was I was joking with him. It was a touchdown he scored against Detroit, you know, and then he stares the camera down and, and then he flexes, you know. And it's so funny because you don't really see too many quarterbacks, you know, showing that kind of passion, you know, in the game. Some, but, you know, not too many. Um, um, a lot of guys are real chill and laid back, you know, but it's – it's real fun being able to play with him. Who's too obsessed with social media on the team? Like, who's too into their phones? I notice you tweet a lot, so I don't know if it's you. I, I think I like when players do that, but who do you think is too into it? Too into it. That's tough. Um, like always on the gram or always doing That's tough. You know, I think with social media being such a big thing now, um, it's tough to say. You know, I feel like everybody now is really is really into into social media. Um, I'll admit I am. Like, all the I time, mean, I'm I am too. You know, and again, especially – Especially like around this time, you know, around, um, I don't really, I don't really tweet too much during, during a football, you know what I'm saying? Uh, dur- during the season. I mean, unless it's like something going on or something like that, but, you know, especially when this time, you know, it's, it's still kind of off season for us, you know, being able to talk to people about the basketball playoffs, you know, about, you know, um, golf and stuff or, or stuff like that, you know. So for me, this is really my biggest, like, social media time right now. All right. Quick yay or nay. Uh, just give me thumbs up or thumbs down. Describe, uh, why you answered it that way for a few subjects here. Mitch Trubisky's beard, yes or no? Are you a fan? I'll say yes. I'll say yes. He have a he have a good beard. It's funny. Again, um, this lady, uh, I, it was from some TV network, and she goes, uh, she asked me about like Mitch's beard being horrible. And I'm like, hey, like <laughs> I thought it was. I, I mean, my beard is pretty patchy, so his is pretty solid. He's still young, you know. Yeah, I feel like it comes in solid. later when you get closer to thirty. It's pretty solid. All right, the bear raid siren that goes on third down, the siren in the stadium. I like that. Yeah. I sure. hated it when it first came out the first week. I'm like, what is that? Then it grew on me. I love it. Yeah, now. no, I like it. I like it. You know, um, it's our little thing on third down. You know, you go to some um everybody and I think it's very unique. You you see a lot of teams uh, across the league, like they have a lot of the same stuff when it comes to third down, whether it's music or like a noise or something like that. And I think that that's very unique. It's got a cool name too, catchy name. Um all right, Adrian Amos, Super Six, joining the Packers. Oh my gosh, man. I saw him probably like a month ago. Nay, definitely. Um, I, I don't even want to speak on that. I don't even want to speak on that. All right. And I don't know if you want to speak on this next question. We're going to wrap up with it, though. I got to ask it because my Bears fan friends and, and followers would kill me if I didn't ask. Uh, just about last, how last season ended. Um, obviously, the double doink. It's kind of a, a meme now and, and obviously very tough on the city and you guys. Um, what's just your overall thoughts on, you know, the, the lost potential there and how that might motivate you guys heading into next season? Um, you know, it still stings. You know, I tell I tell everybody. You know, for me, I I probably still still not over. You know, we just was watching as we're like breaking down film and clips. Um, in meetings now, you know, you may you may see a clip from that game coming, and then like whenever you see that game, it's like gosh, you know, you kind of you kind of roll your eyes. You know, for us, we was looking forward to uh, 
we was looking forward to, you know, um, where we had aligned ourselves, you know, for the rest of the season. You know, being at home, a uh, wild card, you know, I thought we played really well. We gave ourselves a very good legitimate shot to win, you know, and we liked our odds, you know, going into that whole playoff run. You know, we had built a lot of momentum going into the season, going into like the end of the season. I think we won like, like the last five in a row or something like that going into the playoffs, you know. So I think that's what stings about it the most is because, you know, every year, every year is different. You know, and I tell everybody else, you know, it's harder you know, going from first to first than it is from last to first, you know. Mm-hmm. So I know I know for this year it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge for us, you know, but I think everybody is up for the challenge. All right, Alan, appreciate it. Best of luck going forward and everything you do and, and appreciate you sitting down with me. Appreciate man. it, man. Thanks yep. for having me. All right, thanks once again to Alan Robinson for joining me. Really appreciate him taking out some time. Great to get him uh, in and get his thoughts, especially at the end there about how last season ended painfully for uh the bears and bears fans like myself and uh it's nice to hear you know for, for players that they're still not over it either because it was a, a rough ending the double doink and and the missed kick and kind of lost potential of that super bowl run that, that never happened with the rams eventually making the super bowl and you saw the bears handle the rams and, and you know they played a close game with the patriots earlier in the season so it Hopefully it's not a what if year. Hopefully they, they get it done in the next couple of years here and win a Super Bowl, and that's not a you know the year that we look back on as them missing a golden opportunity. So let's move along now to our next guest, our next former Penn State player, Sam Ficken. We talked about it at the top of the show. Sam is currently on the Green Bay Packers roster. He's bounced around a few different teams throughout the course of his career, um, and that's actually a good amount of what we get into is how to as a kicker, as someone who you know, is a very is involved in, in a very malleable position in the NFL, how you deal with, with that uncertainty and how you stay confident and stay, you know, in shape to be able to, to kick at that level. So talk to, uh, to Sam about not only his Penn State career, but his NFL kicker lifestyle as well and, and some other topics. Another good discussion coming right up and we'll get right to it. Take 10 podcast discussion with Sam Ficken, and it starts right now. All right, very pleased to be joined in the BTN studio by former Penn State, current Green Bay Packers kicker, Sam Ficken. Sam, welcome, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Like I just mentioned, you're a member of the Packers now. I'm going to go to training camp with them, compete with longtime kicker Mason Crosby there. Uh, I've also been with the Seahawks, uh, Redskins, Rams, I believe. over uh, the not years? the Redskins, but uh, Rams, Rams, okay. Chiefs, Chiefs, Jaguars. So, gotcha. So you've been around the block. Yeah. <laughs> what have you done to be able to, you know, stick around and keep your phone ringing as a pro kicker all these years? Uh, I would say. I mean, I think a little bit of it has to do with my position. Um, you know, I, I think you see like guys that sometimes at other positions, if they get out of football for you know a few months or a season, it's really really tough for them to get back in it. But I think due to what we do um, and the fact that we don't really have to like play football in a sense of like hitting and, and you know doing some of the physical beat down that you get at other positions um, you know it allows you to kind of continue training on your own and um, fine-tuning certain things a lot like golf sure what do you do in that downtime when you're not in a roster how are you spending your time is it is it all working out do you have a side hustle at all what are you up to uh so again it, i've had a obviously very vast career as far as traveling from team to team and you know i've been cut quite a few times so um 
you know, I graduated from Penn State with a finance degree. So I was actually, um, I worked for about nine months at Merrill Lynch um, before I was signed to the Jaguars. And then after I was cut from the Jaguars, um, I ended up moving out to Greenwich, Connecticut, working for a company called Whedon & Co. Um, so it's a equity broker. So um, I did that for about a year, have all like my Series 7, 57, 63 license. So, um, you know, I know football's not going to last forever. So, um, you know, luckily I was in a good position to, you know, pick up a job and continue to train. Um, some long days, but, you know, I thought it was worth it and ended up playing out in my favor. And, you know, I'm back in uh, in football and on an active roster. It's like a rare scenario. You're a guy who's, you know, been in a cubicle and, and also been on the field. And a lot of your peers, obviously, on football rosters are not having the same experience. I feel like that's, that's kind of unique. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say they kind of ask, like, hey, like, how is it? I'm like, play football as long as you can. And as much as I enjoyed my, my other job, you know, I think there's not too many jobs out there that, you know, you get to have as much fun as you do playing football and the camaraderie of being with a bunch of guys and, and um, you know, some of the cool things that you get to experience while on the team. So during those times you're not on a roster, are you watching the games and kind of rooting for these guys to miss so some spots open up? Or how does that dynamic work? Uh <laughs> I wouldn't say you you root for it, but you certainly stay you know stay keen to to what's happening out there. And um, you know, I have an agent that you know if some guy is either struggling or you know if a team's looking to bring in a guy for due to injury reasons, like that's why I got picked up from the Rams. You know, you you, you just pay attention a little bit more than I would say you do as a normal fan, right? Because the kicking community is pretty tight knit. It's not like you want those yeah. guys to fail. I assume. Yeah. Um, you mentioned last year an injury with the Rams opened up a spot for you, Greg Zerline going down. What was it like playing on a you know eventual Super Bowl contender and, and living out in LA and kicking for them? No, it was great. Uh, you know that being my first experience playing in you know real regular season games outside of preseason, and then you know I had the one playoff game with them as well. Um, the, I would say there's not many guys that their third NFL game is a playoff game. Um, so uh, to be able to experience that and, you know, see kind of the difference between, you know, the level of competition and, you know, I've seen the college level and then, you know, the preseason, um, which some guys don't take super seriously. Um, and then obviously the playoff game, which, you know, you have it all on the line. So um, certainly a cool dynamic to see and um, experience. So I mentioned at the top you uh, signed with Green Bay. Matt LaFleur, their current coach, was uh, in L.A. as well. Did that connection have anything to do with you ending up there? Uh, I don't know. So they claimed me off of waivers um, after I got cut from Seattle after they signed Jason Myers. So um, I don't know what dynamic there was. Obviously, just really excited about the opportunity to uh, you know continue and in, in, in a chance to compete. Logistics-wise, how does this work, um, bouncing around so much? Like, do you have an apartment in Green Bay right now? Do you do – you, kind of parachute in and out what's it like when you're competing for a spot on a team? um you certainly don't sign a lease i'll mm -hmm. tell you that um no i i would say i've i've gotten pretty good at a, at living out of about two three suitcases um you know but i'm i'm young i don't have a ton of responsibility and you know i'm chasing something that you know i've dreamed of doing for a long time so um you know obviously there's some sacrifice to it so right now i'm sitting um you know, I'm staying in a hotel in Green Bay, and I'll do that through the duration of the off-season training activities. And then um, I don't know what they do for camp. I would assume you probably on campus somewhere up there. Um, so 
Um, yeah, you, you don't set down roots. You're um, nomadic. Till you're secured, yeah. Right. So you're a Midwest guy from Valpo, uh, Indiana. I actually didn't realize until right before we came in here that you were cousins with Robbie Hummel, who's also been on the show. So obviously a big basketball town in Valparaiso. Yeah. How did you end up playing football and not uh, not basketball? You're pretty tall, too. I feel like you could have played. Uh, well, I, di- I did play growing up. I actually played with Robbie's younger brother. There you go. Um, so we were born four days apart. So, um, you know, me and Dan grew up playing basketball together. Um, I just unfortunately wasn't as good as Rob was. So... Mm-hmm. Um, not many are don't worry. <laughs> yeah so you know i think for me like you know i love soccer play, like playing soccer growing up i really didn't play football until my junior year so i would say it was just about opportunity at hand and you know i thought with how hard i could kick a soccer ball it would translate to football and obviously it, it worked out pretty well for me so you got there in 2011 were you part mm-hmm. of that class yep and uh, your guy, Alan Robinson, is coming in the studio later today. You weren't part of the Super Six, right, to clarify? No, no. They uh, they would certainly, uh, I think, not allow me in that. Um, they uh, It was kind of funny. We would always rib them a little bit about, you know, how they deem themselves the Super Six. But, no, obviously, you know, really that whole group, I would say they were probably the most talented guys on the team. Um, and they were all the closest friends. So, um you know, you look at them now, and I think three of them just signed massive contracts. So, um, the Super Six is doing super, I would say. Yeah, we, so. had, we had Adrian Amos in here last year. He came on the podcast. Alan's about to be in here, like I mentioned. Uh, so, yeah, it's a cool thing. Um, getting deeper into your career at Penn State, I know you've addressed it a million times. Um, Going to bring it up on the show. Five missed kicks your freshman year <laughs> against against Virginia and a one-point loss. You know, you missed the game-winning kick. At this point, is it something you're you're sick of talking about and bringing up, or is it almost like cathartic to reflect on because of where you are now and how far you've come? Uh, you know, again, I I got so much grief from that game, and you know, I think I've kind of it, it doesn't bother me at all anymore, really. Um, and and to be honest with you, I think you know that game really influenced and built me as a person. I would say, um, you know, it made me a better kicker. Um, it made me focus more on, you know, what I needed to do and to improve. Um, it allowed me to, you know, really start a relationship with Robbie Gold, who obviously is maybe the best kicker of all time, um, especially in Chicago. Um, so, you know, a lot of positives came out of that. Um, and I think, you know, it was certainly a learning experience for me and, and something that I don't only like look back on it as like, oh, like, yeah, it was a terrible day. And it certainly was. It was probably my worst day ever. Um, you know, how disappointed I was, you know, in myself for my team and, um, you know, what comes along with that. But a lot of good things, I would say, came out of it as well. Yeah. And you mentioned Robbie reached out to you, a guy who missed kicks in Chicago and they cut him and now everyone wants him back for, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, what specifically did he do to help you through that time and, and develop that relationship. So, you know, obviously the games are on, on Saturday in, in um, college, but, you know, Sunday evening, and I, he, he might have even had a game that day. Um, you know, I get a phone call, and I had his number on my phone preceding that, but it, was no, it wasn't like a really dynamic relationship. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, good luck this year. Let me know if you need anything. Um, and he called me and obviously I, I picked it up and he's like, Hey, you know, obviously saw the game. Um, you know, I saw a few things from just watching that I would recommend that you look at. Let's go over some film in the next few weeks. So, you know, he took time out of his day 
to watch some of my practice film and game film and say, Hey, here's, here's what I recommend. Here's, you know, what I think you could do to, you know, really improve. And, um, I think you can kind of see it, you know, if you track my career, you know, as that season progressed, I got quite a bit better. Um, and I would have a lot, of, I would say a lot of that goes back to Robbie and how much he helped me. Yeah. It's an awesome story. And I've always been a big fan of Robbie just growing up as a bears fan. And, uh, it's cool to hear that, especially, you know, when he didn't have to do something like mm-hmm. that being an NFL kicker, like you mentioned, um, if you could just take me inside the mind of a kicker and what it's like trying to move on from missed kicks and the anxiety that goes along with kicking and how much of it for you is, is having a rhythm because like, even for something like this, like an interview, for me, it's it's about rhythm, right? If I ask something that's stupid or that the guest reacts to weirdly, it's hard to kind of get back into that rhythm. And with anything, I feel like that applies. So what uh, is your, I guess, approach to kicking when maybe the mindset is a little shaky? Yeah, you know, I think, as is everything, you know, it, it comes with experience. Um, and I would say I, I struggled getting into a rhythm early on in my career. And kind of as you get in these moments and you kind of experience them and and understand how to, like, deal with the pressure and deal with maybe a bad snap or maybe a questionable hold or, you know, obviously you have bad kicks yourself. So um, I think through, you know, kind of going through those experiences and, you know, as you get older and kind of more knowledge about what you do, maybe fundamentally or, or mindset-wise, um, it just gets a little bit easier step-by-step. Um, and I think... You know, you obviously can see that in my career. I've been curious because you kind of alluded to it earlier with teammates in the NFL or in college. It could be any football teammates, but you kind of alluded to how kickers aren't necessarily, you know, full on football players. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different specialty. So how do you think teammates perceive kickers or how have you been received as far as, you know, teammates that are supportive, teammates that might resent the fact that you come in and kick? How has that, um, I guess, experience been throughout your career? Uh, you know, you know, really, I, I've been fortunate with, with where I've been. Um, you know, I think everyone kind of respects you as a pro, no matter, you know, what position you play. Um, I would say there's guys that kind of grind your grind you a little bit when it's like, you know, conditioning segment and they like look over and either we're like kicking on our own or doing something a little bit different to maintain our bodies because we have to do certain things that maybe they don't have to. Um you know, they kind of get a little bit jealous and they'll, they'll grind you a little bit, but it's funny. They always say that, but then like come fourth quarter with 10 seconds left in the game on the line, you know, a lot of those guys are like, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we certainly have uh, a little bit different training regimen than some of those guys, but, um, most places I've been, you know, you're still expected to, you know, do the conditioning, do the weightlifting. It's just a little bit different, um, application to how you do it. Sure. All right. A couple Kicker-specific questions before I let you go, Sam. Uh, I've always been curious about this. How do kickers choose a face mask? Because, like, when I was growing up, some still had the one bar, you know, and some have the more traditional. I assume there's, like, vision that uh, yeah. aspects have a lot to do with it. But how do you choose one? Uh, for me, I, obviously, I would prefer just not to wear one um, and run the risk. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, that wouldn't be legal. But, um, you know, again, going back to that one bar, I would love the one bar, but that's not legal anymore. Bring that back. That'd be legal. Yeah, I would be happy about that. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it's just about making sure that, you know, when you look down, there's not a bar obviously in the sight of between you and the ball, obviously you want to be looking at the ball when you kick it. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, I'm not really big into like looks. I could care less. Just give me something that allows me to see as best available. Or you could just, I know this will go against exactly what you just said, but just go full helmet with the visor. Like just revolutionize, yeah, <laughs> revolutionize yeah. the, um, the kicker image. You know? Again, I don't know if that'd be quite legal, but, uh, um, and I'm not ready to be paying NFL fines yet. <laughs> so, um, Maybe, maybe someday down the road. All right, so we go around to these football practices and uh, in the summer, and we try and have players show us their talents. And oftentimes it's the specialists on the team that will have the, the quirky or wacky you know, bit or talent or skit that they'll do for us. Did the specialists at Penn State have any sort of like thing that they did? Was there a skills challenge that you guys did? I feel like every group of specialists has something. Um. I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. There's a weird uh, bunch in general, I feel like. There, there are some yeah. There's some weird guys out there. Maybe I'm stereotyping. Sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, and I can't recollect any, uh, any you know, crazy, unique talents that that I can think of. But um, You guys are by the book, then? Huh? Yeah, Penn State, we recruit the normal kids. Did you, so. Yeah, I mean, it fits with, it fits with the, uh, the plane helmet and the no yeah. name on the back of the jersey yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, any other unique hobbies that you do? I know you mentioned you play soccer. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I played soccer growing up. Obviously, nowadays um, that has kind of left me, especially, you know, I don't want to be getting hurt right now. Um, but, you know, I golf a ton um, as much as I can, really weather permitting. Mm-hmm. So um, we're kind of getting into the swing of things up in Green Bay right now with that. So pretty excited. For sure. And scrolling through your Twitter timeline, looks like you're a Cubs fan. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh yeah, I'm hoping to come go to a game here uh, one of these weekends that I'm back in uh, in Chicago. Yeah, always a good time in the summer. I won't ask your football fan affiliation. I'll let you know. <laughs> All uh, right, I appreciate as a that. Chicago area kid and a member of the Green Bay Packers. So, Sam, uh, appreciate you coming in, man. Uh, really nice talking to you. Congrats on all your success, and uh, thanks for giving me some time. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, thanks again to Sam for joining me. We'll move along now to our final segment of this episode, and that is our weekly Call for the Culture segment with producer Colleen Degnan. If you have not heard the show before, Colleen and I get into uh, just general discussion of pop culture and the intersection of sports and entertainment and social media and and just kind of chat about what a couple of 20-somethings in the sports industry like to chat about and uh, have Colleen's take on uh, just kind of that Venn diagram of, of, uh, of sports and pop culture. So we'll get into that discussion right now. It's the Call for the Culture segment with Colleen Degnan. All right, we're back with another edition of Call for the Culture. After a brief hiatus, Colleen was in Europe. Colleen, welcome back. How'd it go? Thank you. It was amazing. It was a great little vacation. And missed a lot of good sports while I was gone. Well, you only missed one episode of the podcast. We all know that's most important. <laughs> but catch me up. How did the, the trip go? You look rejuvenated. Um, I saw some social media documentation of the trip. So uh, fill us all in. It was great. Um, hit up a few cities across Europe. One of my best friends is playing soccer north of Paris. So that was the main reason of trying to get out there to see her. So she was able to meet up with us in Berlin, which was super cool. She plays and for like a team? A, a professional team? team? Mm-hmm. Who? A professional team. I or what kind of league? Is it like a, it's like a pro league? Yeah, think. a pro league out in France. Wow. 
Um, so yeah, it's super sick. And so it was great to see her, but Paris was beautiful, rainy, but I loved it. Spent a lot of time in the little William Shakespeare bookstore because I'm a huge nerd, but I loved it. And then we made our way down to Nice, which was super relaxing. Got some nice sun time. Um, made it to Geneva, which was really cool. Saw the UN and the tallest mountain in Europe. As you know, I'm super scared of heights. I feel like Geneva is one of those cities that kind of overshadows the country it's in like it's 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 like has conventions there that are like for united nations and so whenever i hear geneva i almost think it's a country but it's in switzerland right it's in switzerland yeah no definitely had some uh princess diaries vibes for sure but also genovia yeah i know exactly but that's what we were laughing at obviously the made-up country exactly um but tons of european history so it was really cool i had like a walking tour there and then yeah ended in berlin which was so funky and cool and definitely a city i want to return to interesting because obviously with world war ii like not being that long ago berlin um is obviously had to evolve since then and also the the post-war stuff with the cold war and my, my history is not yeah well, exactly like the, up to par but the berlin wall is still there and all that right? no entirely the berlin wall literally wasn't um like knocked down or whatever in, since 30 years ago it's only been 30 yeah years. only 30 years like that's i mean we, we talk about insane the team that comes to mind in eight, like 89 is michigan basketball and illinois basketball <laughs> those two teams went to the final four that seems like recent Five years before I was born, and yep. you know, you think about the Berlin Wall; it kind of seems like ancient history, but it, it's wild to think that like the whole city was separated, like people were stuck on either side. Exactly. So it was Nuts. great. We did like a lot of history, a lot of museums, a lot of walking tours. So it was definitely a uh, cultural. So got some call for the culture there, nice. but um, now we're back, and yeah, like I said, what I missed, I missed the. Uh, for overtime Portland game, but my jet lag was so bad. Did you not get to watch it over there? I got I, I woke my jet jet lag was so bad that I woke up in time for the entire fourth quarter oh, so and all four overtimes. Nice. So it worked out in my favor. Yeah, we need to talk about that, but it's kind of it's funny because we we talked about the Blazers even during regular season on this show just because of your fandom, and it was kind of at least in my eyes like sort of a semi joke. I didn't think they were gonna make it this far, but here they are in the, <laughs> here they the are. Western Conference Finals. Uh, Although they are down 0-2 to the Golden State Warriors. Okay. We're taping this on Friday, the day after they lost a double-digit lead and a late eight-point lead to Golden State. How are you feeling knowing that you know, down 0-2 to Golden State, it's not looking great? What's uh, What's your mindset right now? I mean, I feel like it's kind of a running joke that I'm the endless optimist in this office anyways. So why stop now? I mean, we're headed back to Portland, so I think that also only losing by three in this the second game like obviously I think the Warriors stole it but then they also earned that win in the last few minutes of that game so if we can just like have Dame and CJ follow through in the fourth quarter and maybe make some crucial shots and not get stuck with the defense I mean like you can't take away anything what Golden State did like Draymond Green's defense in the, in the end of it like everything they did was incredible like Steph Curry's shooting's been insane so I just think we're gonna readjust I think we're gonna at least get a couple games we'll see like I said, I'm staying optimistic. Did you see before yesterday's game, CJ McCollum met He met Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. He met Jennifer. Yeah. Um, for listeners who don't know, it kind of was a viral social media meme when McCollum on the Blazers tweeted, what was his original tweet? He tweeted- I'm some, trying, Jennifer. Uh, yeah, but the, the original one, because she like said- He was talking, she, so this was last summer. Right. She replied to him saying like, win a playoff game first. Exactly. Win a playoff series first, and then his- well, viral responses i'm trying jennifer all this heat kind of started off of his podcast pull up mm-hmm. he had kd on it last summer and there was a lot of feud so that's what it was from yeah. i remember that feud that was good and that's why it's kind of lame that kd's not it's so lame right now, so they can't square up that's 
And that's like to me like one of the main reasons that K- I've kind of soured on KD because he he didn't handle that well. Like no. he was kind of a jerk to CJ McCollum for no reason, and McCollum's always been. To me, a very likable guy. I think so he's a pretty good It was funny guy. that he met the actual Jennifer. They brought her yes. in for that game in, in uh, Oakland yesterday. And uh, it's one of those things where a meme springs to life and, and actually comes full circle. It was cool. I was really hoping that they'd at least... Well, there's still a chance that they can get a game in Oakland just because since Dame grew up there. And he has All so right. much, so many roots there. Super cool. Like, he's never been a sellout. And there's that... There's uh, one of the, his Hulu ads that are is outside of Oracle Arena. That's funny. And I didn't so, realize that. Yeah, so there's a lot. Of, there's been like a lot of cool media surrounding this series, and Smart obviously with the for, brothers too. For Hulu, I mean, yeah, I don't oh think they're going to lose anyone in the, in the Bay Area uh, for a billboard like that, and it'll get some viral. Absolutely not for sure. And it was fun. Minor thing that is just hilarious. I was born 40 minutes from Oakland. Cool. So another small connection today, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you have roots all over the United States. We've <laughs> talked about that in the past. But it's been a great NBA playoffs, like even without LeBron. I think that almost has given a fresh perspective on everything. They're really entertaining. Uh, I don't know if you were in the country for Kawhi Leonard's shot on Sunday, but that was sick. Um, one of those moments, kind of like with the Damian Lillard buzzer beater a few weeks ago where I yelled and I don't have a, a rooting interest in either team. Um, it's been compelling. We had Drake trying to reverse the Drake curse and actually doing Wearing it with his, his, his 76ers shorts. Yeah. I was disappointed he wasn't at that game because that game-winning shot happened like 10 feet from Worse, his seats. Yeah. And it, the memes would have been, and, and just the virality of it would have been hilarious if he would have jumped on the dog pile or like seeing how he would have involved himself in that celebration, I think it was a big missed opportunity. Well, I know you'll appreciate this. I didn't watch it live because as you so gracefully tweeted, I had tuned into Game of Thrones. So I... I can't even get into Game of Thrones yet. Well, let's save that for a little bit. <laughs> I'm just saying the reason why I couldn't watch it live is because I was watching that. So I saw yeah, the As I tweeted, I said, you know, all you Game of Thrones watchers yeah. are suckers right now because you guys missed the buzzer <laughs> beater. Um, but I want to keep it on the NBA for now because as good as the playoffs have been, um, I think the most compelling... TV for me was the lottery on Tuesday night, just because I'm a Bulls fan and you add in that Zion was up for grabs yep. and the rights to draft him were in the air. Um, it was really interesting, more so in the lead up to the event than the actual show because it was some boom, boom, boom and, and hearts were broken like that. <laughs> I appreciated that efficiency. Yeah, I, I don't mind when they get things done quick like that. It just as a Bulls fan, it just ripped the band <sighs> off, you know? So where did you fare? What number did you guys end up getting? Seven. Again, it's the third uh, year in a row. They've got seven. God. The joke is like they got the slot machine. It's three yeah. years in a row. They got the seven, seven, seven. So it's just, it stinks. Like as, as a post Jordan Bulls fan, like I don't remember Jordan playing on the Bulls. I only know them as either a bad team or a decent to occasionally very good team when they had, uh, Derrick Rose, like, but I just feel like they're heading for that cycle of getting like between the four and eight seed every year, and you know maybe getting to the second round of the playoffs and then losing because they don't have uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo type talent, they don't have a Kevin Durant type talent, they don't have a Zion Williamson now type talent because Zion is hey, going my boy Damon there. probably to the Pelicans. Yeah, so it's like you know with with being a Bulls fan, all you can do. I was mad at first, like I, I probably dropped an f bomb when it came up on the screen, and then. At this point, it's just it's more morbid curiosity and 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 kind of just laughing at your misfortune because what else can you do? You know, you're just it's just like I don't think they'll improve the team enough to be in a, a championship franchise, and um, you know sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying. 
That's fair. I also think it's hilarious all the talk now about the trade, the trade rumors, and where all the free agents are going to fall. And with Zion or with like KD or with who? with KD with okay. like with with Anthony Davis with I yeah. mean everybody. It's now the interesting, the classic media trap of trying to predict all of these crazy situations. And the thing that drives me the most nuts is KD is still in the playoffs. You should not be talking about. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I hate that it's like oh for sure he's going to be a Nick. Like no, like, he's kind of like he's also fueled that speculation, especially Kyrie Irving as well. It's kind of fueled. But at least Kyrie's done. Fine, you can mm, focus true. on your next move. Like you, like Katie, you're still like committed to the super team. Yeah, and Golden State. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned Anthony Davis. It's funny with Zion going right. to New Orleans probably now because deja vu. Well, because Anthony Davis um, was you know pretty much two feet out the door in New Orleans, and the trade that everyone thought was going to happen to the Lakers kind of fell through. Right, and now it's like okay, do they still trade him and, and try and get? Multiple picks or lots of young players, or do they try and make it work with Zion and uh, Anthony Davis? I'm curious what you think. Like, there's been a knock on New Orleans and in that franchise. What do you think about a player like a, the next star, most likely going to what's not really a basketball city? I mean, yeah, but I also think that's the narrative that so many different other outlets and other people are saying for him. Like, the only statement that I've really heard from his family is that they're excited. Like, mm-hmm. good, and you know what I mean. Like, he's been pretty correct politically and Mm -hmm. like sports minded correct in this entire year of his life which I think is stellar and he could have messed it up very easily so like kudos to Zion to be honest but I do think going to a city that's maybe not known for basketball is an exciting opportunity the thing is 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 Anthony Davis a cautionary tale maybe you know he was the number one pick and it hasn't really worked out Um, I I go back to when I was in New Orleans um, a few months ago and the cab driver said you were talking about the Saints and the Uber driver, whoever, he said the Pelicans could leave tomorrow and no one would care because it's a Saints right. city. Like they're, It's a religion to root for the Saints. I just don't know if it's baked into the fabric of that town like, like, um, or has the potential to be as even you know a, a sliver of what the Saints have kind of um, grabbed as far as hearts and minds go down there. So it'll be interesting with Zion. I just love like, you know, good for the Pelicans. I love the reaction videos. Like, yes. <laughs> I felt like the emotion of the ticket office of the Pelicans reacting to – uh, seeing that that number one pick, um, my favorite I think was the Knicks fans' reactions oh. when they came back from commercial, and the first one they revealed was the Lakers getting the number four pick. So all the Knicks fans went nuts, and then boom! Right after that, it went from like ecstasy to just a uh, you know crushing feeling. The same one that I had at number seven because at number three they got uh, shut out of the, the John Morant or, or Zion sweepstakes. So. I don't know if you saw any of those videos, but it was hilarious. No, it's amazing. And I also just really appreciate this is like sports fans being the best because in a situation like this, like maybe you think, oh, we should be gracious. Like we're still like top four pick or whatever. Like, for example, if you were to lose like in the Oscars or something like that, like mm-hmm. nice clap, like clap or golf claps on the course. But like, no, pe- sports fans, ruthless, devastation, honest. I love it. It's cutthroat. And, you know, I, I was thinking after watching the lottery and seeing kind of speculation or just discussion about the NFL draft, just coming fresh off that, what if people speculated? I think even the NFL Twitter uh, account, the NFL draft Twitter account, tweeted like, hey, at NFL, we should do a lottery, which didn't make sense to me because I'm like, aren't you aren't you the NFL? Like the NFL draft Twitter account? Yeah. Like, it, it seemed like a weird tweet. But, you know, it, that tweet kind of got ratioed. There was a lot of disagreement. But it got me thinking, like, outside of drafts, what could we do 
just in life that could be determined by ping pong balls besides an actual lottery and a draft. Um, what did you I had come a couple up with? ideas. Um, actually, no, what did you come up with? I want to see what you had first because don't steal mine. I, I see you looking at the list there. <laughs> no, well, like the most hilarious thing, but it was like completely like just by random, like the time that you got to go grocery shopping at the market, like okay. something totally hilarious that would just like throw you for such a loop, like no matter as much as you could prepare and try to avoid hitting Trader Joe's at Sunday at 6 p.m. And you get stuck yes, with that. You yeah, know what I mean? True. That's that's it's tough. I mean, grocery shopping <laughs> in a big city stinks. Like it's not a well, fun the, experience. I like that. Um, I have absolutely no shame with. I have a cart that I actually wheel with me to and from the market if I know it's going to be a your a, own cart. Yeah, like oh, it's wow. one of those cool. Like, do you it call looks it the like, market? I I guess I do. I I feel like I've gotten criticized. <laughs> I was wondering what the market oh, is. Oh yeah, like the Trader store. Joe's, Whole Foods, gotcha. Jewel Osco, whatever. So you have your own cart. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not like a shopping cart. It looks like a little golf caddy cart. You know what I mean? Funny story when. Probably the first couple weeks after I moved to Chicago, me and my roommate, we lived sort of close to the Jewel grocery store, and we had a huge cart full of stuff, and we didn't drive, and it was too much to carry in bags to walk. So we're like, oh, we'll just take the cart out and, and just swing it by our place and drop it back off, and, and no one will care. It was one of those carts that locks like as soon as it goes outside the <laughs> store. Like We're so stupid for not thinking that they hadn't thought, like, oh, people might try and steal our carts. So, uh, yeah, we walked immediately locked and we couldn't there was so much food in there we couldn't like move the cart so we had to so you stalled so we had to take all of the um bags in the cart move them to a cart that's wheels actually weren't locked and and wheels that worked and i think i call an uber to get our (laughs) bags home because it was way too much to carry on foot so that's my so that yeah that would be horrible give me yours is yours is really funny okay my idea do a lottery for the seats on the plane. And I'm making everything up for grabs here. I'm talking first class. I'm talking business class. I'm talking window seats, aisle seats, seats near the bathroom, everything. And I'm trying to think the best way to determine, you know, who gets the most ping pong balls in the running. Because in the NBA, it's, you know, the tanking teams are the worst teams. Right. Teams with the worst records get the most ping pong balls. So I'm thinking airline points is one way to, to boost – your chances, you know, you, you want a, a better seat, kick in a few thousand airline points. Like, yeah. Those things are just sitting in there most of our time in our accounts anyway. Um, what's a, what's another way that we could determine that? Like, I feel like general, just good behavior at the airport. Good you know, behavior. Some people are, yeah. Some people are like If you have jerks. the proper things in your carry-on or not, like, or if you have to be that person that, like, has the liquids Baggage, that are over, the, you know what I mean? Like, that's a good one. Are you checking? Are you not? Yeah, it gets you a better chance at the front. How many first. things do you have to take off and stall the security line, which is just already anxiety And, and I think it should, it should work like the NBA records. Like, the more crappy hands you've been dealt, the more crappy seats you've had, the better chance you have of getting upgraded to, like, first class. I like time, that. You know? Yeah. This could work. That could be fun. It could I be mean, like the next Southwest gimmick. Instead of just like pick any seat, you get the <laughs> yeah, lottery. True. That's already stressful enough. I always forget to check in. I forget to check in hours. and I end up in group nine or whatever I'm it is. C35. Yeah, and, yeah. Every time. Yeah. C35. It's weird. I've been on a streak of like only window seats in the, for the last almost year. And on now Southwest I'm like, exclusively? Now, no, no, no. Anywhere. Um, so that's your favorite seat? Yeah, I always try and get the window. Actually, Southwest the last time might have been in the aisle. That's like the only one because I was I was late. C thirty five. Yeah, so <laughs> somehow like even when you get the, you know the basic economy where it's like you're below the even yep. like, the lowest form of uh, air travel, somehow I've been lucky enough where they just put me in the window seat. So I'm trying to keep that street going. How, well, how was your flight to Europe, by the way? Um, there I did not sleep a wink, and on the way back, I have my friend that I was traveling with. I don't. I should not be laughing about this. She has a really bad nut allergy, like life or death, Ooh, with cashews and pe- pistachios, and a variety of other tree nuts. And 
they did not specify that there was nuts in the sauce of what was served in the dish she had. So we had a close counter. Um, She had an EpiPen on her. We didn't have to use it, but that was threw us for a loop on our way home. So not necessarily the best, but she's okay. Took a Benadryl and she's fine. But so yeah, dramatic flight home. That is really scary, especially like up there. I mean, we we were literally, get this, we were two hours in, so we were mid-Atlantic. Like we could not land. Yeah. It was, it was rough. Yikes. Okay. But she's doing well. Thanks for (laughs) that anxiety planning that in my head yeah, everyone be careful I, about yeah, the nuts yeah okay um just circling back to the lottery and and i think what makes this kind of newer phenomenon of video reactions especially to non-games like like the lottery so good is because everyone kind of sharing the misery like i see these videos on instagram and twitter or whatever and just the replies and the comments get me every time and I, i've realized i've started to develop a concerning addiction um and it's thumbing through Instagram comment sections looking for, like, the funniest reactions and jokes. And trolling them? Or no, just, no, no, no. Just, just like, laughing. Like, because it's become basically an Instagram comment section contest to get to the top of the algorithm, right? Like, the, so that comments, the, most likes? the comments that get the most likes, which means they're probably the funniest because they have the most mainstream or widespread appeal. And so usually like the first five or six comments, if they're not like bots or whatever, are, are hilarious. And I just can't help like crying because a lot of these accounts like House of Highlights or um, you know, ESPN or Slam or Bleacher Report, any of these Instagram accounts that have to do with sports will, you know, kind of game the system so they know what, what people will react to. And, and I just will lay in bed like before going to bed and just laughing. people think I'm crazy probably like laughing like the Joker in my bed in these comments. <laughs> Like, some of the stuff on the Knicks videos and the Bulls videos were too good. I don't know if you have the same problem. I just had to get that out there. Sympathizing with them. No, I feel it. I feel it. No no relatability to that, you know? I mean, it's the same with your personal Instagrams. Just you don't have a million people commenting, but you're still trying to game the algorithm, like right? Like I've kind of given it, up on the algorithm, to But be posting honest. it at good times and stuff? I, like, I've totally given really? up. Really? Totally. That's way too much it's, pressure. It's dangerous. Like, I've had it before where I posted something on Saturday mid-morning. Terrible time. Like, every, no one's looking at their phones then. Everyone's doing errands or, like, out and about. And if you get caught in that undercurrent of no likes, it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh you're you're going to – you're gonna, you might not even crack triple digits on your Instagram. You like. know what? I think other things are stressing me out more <laughs> that I'm okay with that. Very first world problem. My Instagram is my personal uh, account. But we're good. I have to ask. Were you here in, on Monday? Were you back in the office on Monday? Mm-hmm. I wasn't here. What happened Monday morning? With John Beeline? Yes. Breaking news. Yes. That, you here in the office when it happened? Yes. Pretty early. I was, yeah, me and Brent. It was, just, you, it was me and Brent. You get here pretty early, usually. And, uh, yeah, John Beeline got, um, the, the news broke that he's going to be the Cavs coach. Five year deal. It was wild. Um, I, I was know, unexpected. What was, the, what was the reaction on the ground here? Because I was not here Monday. I well, I kind of thought maybe I had missed it in my like intense sleep that I like had like a twelve hour slumber, and no, it broke that morning, and everyone was like, "Wow, didn't really see it coming." Obviously, nothing but great words for him. Like, yeah. I think he's an incredible coach. Done, did great things for Michigan. Yeah, actually, super likable. I slept in that morning to like past ten o'clock, and so it had already been so out. You there woke for, up. You were like for two wow. hours, and I'm like, I'm seeing all these. Uh, messages on slack and stuff and i'm like what happened to john beeline and uh yeah took us by surprise like i kind of thought last year was maybe his one um you know flirtatious period with the nba he thought about taking the pistons job right. it seemed like and then he decided to stay so i thought maybe that was out of the picture but um yeah it's a, it's a pretty big loss i think for the big 10 now you know michigan he's elevated that michigan brand to a place totally. where 
they can swing big and try and replace him with another high profile, um, respected and elite coach. And maybe they will. Um, so maybe the drop off won't be significant with the new guy, but it, I think there's no way you can deny the fact that, it, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation, um, just for the league in general, because everyone liked dealing with him and it seemed like the program was taken to, you know, heights that consistently that they hadn't reached ever, really. Exactly. I think it's going to be exciting to see his style of coaching, though, professionally. So we'll see. I, I, mean, I just don't know how, like, it, NBA coaches get chewed up and spit out, I feel like, so often. And he's already, you know, he's in his 60s. And he's, what, 65? Yeah. I think 66. Okay, yeah. yeah. Up there. And it, it's just interesting. I feel like coaching in the NBA is such a – um, there's such a less of a, a weighted significance placed on it compared to college. Like it's so much of a player's league compared to a coach's league in the NBA. And there's, there's a few elite coaches and, and a few guys who hang around and, and even guys that got by on talent, I would argue like Eric Spolster in Miami for a while, but then also proved themselves as a coach and, and hung around. But you know, a lot of it is just a revolving door and these guys get chewed up and spit out. So I'm curious to see how he makes it work there in Cleveland. Um, no LeBron. I mean, I Kevin Love's still there. Kevin Love is still there. And Colin what, Sexton's a good player there. They're what, the sixth pick they, in the draft? Yeah, they were one of the teams that obviously was in the lottery, and they're not top four. I think that sounds right. Yeah, something Don't like that. Don't fact check us on that. But. Yeah, yeah, but uh, best of luck to him. Yeah. Excited to see I what he does. I thought it was interesting to see like a lot of people. Everyone wants to like decry the, the um, I guess, what's playing college basketball, the problems with college basketball. And a lot of people want to use this as the latest example, like, oh, like one of the best coaches is leaving. The sport is in bad shape. I don't really buy that necessarily. I mean, I don't think he left because of some of the issues that have hurt college basketball, especially in the last couple of years with the FBI investigation going on and, and some of the stains that have been um, put upon the sport. D-Line obviously is famously well-regarded as has been a clean coach and done it the right way. But... I just think the the reason was probably leaning more towards he even said it in his in his own words yesterday at the NBA combine here in Chicago like there's never a good time to leave this is obviously something that he's had his sights set on and it's the last step in his coaching ranks literally from high school on right, up right yeah so i mean i i don't know i don't i think it's more that than oh he couldn't stand the sp- sporty college basketball anymore because it's so dirty. I don't think it's that. I totally agree. I mean, you just got to compare it to any other career path. You always want to get that next promotion, that next gig, like keep moving forward. And like you just said, it's the highest place you could get to in his coaching career. So mm-hmm. I don't judge him at all for leaving. I mentioned the NBA Combine. Um, he was there yesterday. It was funny. He, yeah, was that his, he was that was his first with, time speaking to the media Yeah, I think it? so. Yeah, and his players. Like some pretty low-key, Some too. of his players are there, former players. Uh, Charles Matthews, Iggy, Brasdakis. Jordan Poole were all there and it's interesting because we got the combine here and it's I can't remember how long it's been here I don't know if that's been like a long-running thing the first time um this year they had the G League Elite Camp I believe which is a couple days before so really a ton of college basketball players walking around and it's all leading into the all-star game uh, this year in Chicago, I, 2020. Combines, I love all of the random agility work they have to do in the like, dimensions and everything like that. I think it's hilarious. All of these skills, like, obviously are transferable and necessary. Do you, but, have, do you have a favorite? Uh, I favorite mean, the drum? only one, the best one I would be is the wingspan because I have a taller <laughs> wingspan than my height. So, really? Yeah. By, like, four inches. Don't, do most people have a taller one? I feel like that's... I don't know. This the, probably the, is. The, com- the, pretty long the good ones are comically, like... <laughs> 
out um, outsized ones. Like the guys with really long arms that have like a eight foot wingspan and they're like six ten. So sick. That always blows my mind. Um, all right, we've talked a lot of NBA basketball, uh, a lot of news that's broken. We have to close it out with a subject that I swear every time that I'm not going to talk about. But since we're nearly at the keep end, coming back. keep coming back and we got to talk about it. Um, it's Game of Thrones. You mentioned you were watching. Let's get your reaction since you watched the show and uh, can give us a, a firsthand take. It was very dark. This episode was just like war zone territory and like death and destruction and no sort of morale from one of the main characters Danny, like it was just nuts, and like I said, I was watching that over Kawhi's intense game-winning shot. Were you watching with people? Uh, my roommate. Okay, so you guys are both. You guys shared that sentiment, like it was not uh, your favorite episode, or or it was a uh, it was a just downer. D- it, it was a definite downer, but like also to just like going back to the cinematography, it's like insanely good. The graphics are right. unreal. I mean, I know there's been a lot of backlash, like everybody's criticizing the directors and want a redo of the whole entire season eight and everything like that. And I don't know. I think that's a little, that's too harsh of a take. Like somebody's got to win the throne. They're just like getting there. Has it gotten worse though? Like, cause I've, like you said, I feel like there's been backlash on social media. Has, has the, how this season is ending, uh, shaken your enjoyment or faith in the show at all? Like I said, I can't. I don't think I'm the best person to be weighing in on this. Right, you're not. You're not like Seeing, a hardcore. Yes. Still. Um. No. I mean, I think it's still highly entertaining, and it's like obviously, I think any show that evokes this much emotion on all sides of the spectrum is clearly doing something right. I think. You know, like yeah. you're, you're gonna upset. No, people. but I think what like gave, okay me, to be gave me the most uh, sense of annoyance or just kind of like fear of missing out throughout has been observing pretty much a uh, unanimous admiration and enjoyment of the show from from pretty much everybody like i almost didn't believe that it was possible in this day and age for something to be almost universally acclaimed right like everybody loved it and it was almost annoying in a sense you know how the neighbor next door has like everything going for him and you're like or you know your buddy is like everything going for 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 them and um you know, you're just like, how can they possibly, like, how does everything go right for them? And that was kind of me watching the show. I'm like, there's no way that there's uh, something that everybody just enjoys, no questions asked, right? So watching these last few episodes and the social media reaction and just the stuff that I've kind of absorbed through osmosis on, you know, other podcasts when they talk about it and I try to understand um, just kind of by half listening, it's, it's been fascinating to see some people start to turn. I knew it was coming. I knew the turn had to, like, actually, there was doubts, but I thought maybe there was eventually people were going to turn on it. And lo and behold, like, there's been a definite (laughs) swell of kind of discontent. There's been people, like you said, I haven't seen any, like, people that I know personally trying to petition to, like, change the show. Like, that's, like, been swirling on Twitter and stuff, right? Petitions. Exactly. I haven't seen any of that, but like people questioning the um, the arcs of some of the characters and the endings to certain, I guess, lives and characters in the show. It's been funny to, to watch because they, the cracks are starting to come in. I, I knew <laughs> I knew it couldn't hold. Eventually. I mean, there's one episode left, so that's that's all people have. It kind of reminds me of the end of Lost. Oh my god! Don't I watched, even get me started on. Lost. I watched a lot of Lost, and like I was still young enough where a lot of it didn't stick with me. Like I remember big major plot points and big characters, and then I remember obviously the finale, watching it, 
I wasn't like super invested. Oh my gosh, I am a proud owner of seasons one but through three. People on didn't DVD. like. People kind of hated those <laughs> final few episodes. Oh right? yeah, the last the last season was trash. Right, so I, it's kind of reminding me of that now. That like, but you have to finish. The sentiment's starting to turn. Oh, of course. Yeah, I think Breaking Bad's a show that almost everyone loved, and almost everyone loved the finale of that. I never watched one. Really? Episode. Okay. Well, I think that was a show that somehow managed to mostly carry a positive. Um, fan reaction throughout. Like, I think people actually liked how they wrapped it all up. I'm trying to think if I know any other shows. The OC got really bad towards the end. Gossip Girl, controversial. It's just hard with TV shows. It's really hard. When they go on for that many seasons. It's hard to keep people engaged. hard to make everyone happy. It's hard to to conclude everything neatly. Yeah. Er, Okay, one one show that we both love, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Still's got me invested, but they're only so two, two seasons, seasons deep. If it gets like six or seven seasons, June, the uh, third season comes out in June, June 5th, June 6th. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I guess analogy there with June and June. I know. Obviously, I don't did know that. if that should be considered an analogy. What is uh, just timing? Great yeah, timing. I guess. Still nice <laughs> Good scheduling by those programmers. It's a pun. Yeah, it's true, I guess. June airs in June. Yeah, yeah. All right. You wouldn't um, be able to tell I was an AP English student. <laughs> All right, Colleen. Plenty of good stuff. Um, What's coming up now? I guess we got maybe one more episode to squeeze in before I leave town and miss a couple weeks. So uh, make the most of it. This was good. Let's, let's get back at it next week and maybe your Blazers will be still alive and um, maybe we'll find some new new subjects to dig into. Less Thrones, less <laughs> NBA, more variety. Fingers crossed. Thanks, Alex. All right. Talk to you next time. All right. Thanks once again to Colleen, Sam, and Alan for joining me. Great episode. I uh, love talking to these interview subjects in person. It's, it's I think, much better for the flow of the conversation, for the comfort level of the interview. And uh, I just think it overall sounds better um, when you're sitting face-to-face. So had a lot of fun doing that. Appreciate those guys coming in. Appreciate everyone out there who listened. And hopefully all of you will continue to listen as we move throughout the summer. We'll uh, get an episode to you next week as well. And uh, we'll keep it rolling throughout the summer, uh, even when the college sports stop. Take 10 podcast is not. And that means we also have had uh, our helpful producers contributing to the show as well. Wes White and Julie Bronder. Um, it's always one of them every week knocking it out. So I appreciate them. Once again, appreciate everyone tuned in. And we'll talk to you soon here on the Take 10 podcast.